The Feminist Press is a partner of Fierce Women Writing. Founded in 1970 and celebrating their 50th anniversary, The Feminist Press seeks to create a world where everyone recognizes themselves in a book. A nonprofit and independent publisher, they support storytelling that ignites movements and inspires social transformation. The Feminist Press lifts up insurgent and marginalized voices from around the world to build a more just future. Learn more about their books at feministpress.org. Welcome to Fierce Women Writing, a podcast where female voices are elevated, creativity is ignited, and writers are inspired. I believe that stories can enlighten, heal, and entertain the reader and the writer. First, the writer has to quiet their doubts long enough to get the words on the page. I'm here to help you put your doubts away and focus on your creativity. Every day I talk to writers and would-be writers who aren't writing. They're not writing because they don't think they're good enough, because they've been rejected, don't have time, or don't know where to start. That's why I created this show, so that you can hear from other writers who want to inspire you to share the stories that only you can tell. I'm Sarah Gallagher. Come write with me. Hey there, Fierce Writers. Today's guest is Juli Delgado Lopera. Juli is an award-winning Colombian writer, historian, speaker, and storyteller based in San Francisco. They're the author of Kareme and Cuentamelo, an illustrated bilingual collection of oral histories by LGBT Latinx immigrants, which won a 2018 Lambda Literary Award and a 2018 Independent Publisher Book Award. Hooley's been awarded fellowships and residencies from Hedgebrook, Headland Center for the Arts, Brush Creek Foundation of the Arts, Lambda Literary Foundation, Yerba Bunta Center for the Arts, and the San Francisco Grotto. They've received two individual artist grants from the San Francisco Arts Commission, a 2019 Ebony McKinney Award, and was the recipient of the 2016 Jean Cordova Award Scholarship. Their work has been nominated for a Pushcart Prize and has appeared in Teen Vogue, The Rumpus, The White Review, LALT, Four-Way Review, Broadly, Time Out Mag, to name a few. They're the former executive director of Radar Productions, a queer literary nonprofit in San Francisco. Hooli's debut novel, Fiebre Tropical, which won a 2014 Jackson Literary Award, is out this spring from the Feminist Press. Welcome to the show, Hooli. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Huli, what are the ideal conditions for you to write? Well, ideally, um, I love being in nature for writing. I think that that does is the best place for me. Um, whenever I've been in residencies, that's been my most generative moment. Um, so ideally, I am in, um, I don't know, somewhere close to water. So I did, for instance, last year, I did a residency at Headland Center for the Arts, and I had my room and I had the ocean was right there. So I would run to the ocean every morning and then I would write all day. Um, and then somebody is like handling your cook, the cooking. Um, so ideally I will be in nature, uh, close to some sort of water. Um, and then I will have, uh, my food prepared for me so that I don't have to take care of that. That sounds perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you write? Um, I mean, I think that it's the way that I create connection for myself to the world, how I engage with, um, difficult questions, how I express my creativity. Um, 
I am very much obsessed with language and writing is both a challenge and a gift. And so I think that I just, I really don't think that I can stop doing it. It's just definitely the way that I connect to the world and I process the world. What are your best writing tips? My best writing tips, let's see. Um, Well, one thing is that I do think that you should never just wait for inspiration. Um, I think that inspiration is really great and having like um, something just like hits you an idea and you just run with it. But I think that um, discipline and routine will serve you better as an artist and, and developing a creative practice. And so definitely developing a creative practice is very important, something that you show up to every single day um, instead of waiting, basically. And so creative practice is very important. Um, Keeping a journal is really important. of just like writing stuff down and paying attention to the things that really call you. Um, So constantly paying attention to what is it that really drives you. Um, Reading a lot is very important to being a really good writer. Reading a lot and showing up for other writers is really important. Um, I know that right now it's like a challenging time to do that, but still um, showing up for other people is very important. What are your suggestions for someone trying to overcome a block? Writer's block. Yeah. Well, I think that um, delving into other creative outlets to kind of like get the energy flowing. And so sometimes it's really hard and I think that writer's block is at times a myth um, that we sit down and it's really hard to just try to write when you have a blank page. What I think it's better is for you to develop tools for yourself that you can tap into whenever you cannot get anything out. Um, so again, like fostering that relationship with your own creative process is essential to developing a good creative practice basically and so I found that for instance like if I if I dance beforehand if I read beforehand um I will get more creative and if I just cannot even get anything out I would just like start writing whatever comes to mind and then just you know go from there um but definitely developing tools that really work for you um, singing is a good one for me. Dancing is a good one for me. I like reading comics at times. So, you know, bringing in other art forms that tap into my creativity and then kind of channeling that creativity into writing. What about editing and revising tips? Editing and revising are amazing and are also hard. And that's something that I learned after publishing the first novel. Um, I really, really learned the importance of revising and writing, but also enjoying it really. Um, I, I'm, it's really hard for me. So I would say that having a buddy is really good. Having somebody that keeps you accountable, um, maybe having someone who understands the vision that you have for your work and can give you honest feedback, not only what you want to hear, um, and not feedback based on their own vision, but feedback that really helps you out. So like, you know, having a buddy, I think it's really good and because it keeps you accountable. Having a writing group, it's also really good because it keeps you accountable. And then just getting down to it, I think that if we approach it from 
another part of the creative process if you approach it with like a more inquisitive lens instead of like oh god this is work and like editing um but more of like oh we're shaping the story let's see what happens and like if you're excited about the unknown of not knowing what's going to happen once you go in um i think that the approach to to it really impacts the way that we experience it can you estimate your submission to publication ratio I really don't know. I do not submit to, you mean to like literary magazines? Sure. Or, you know, book pitches. I'm not, I haven't done a lot of um, literary magazine submissions. I have to be honest that most of the stuff that I have published has come through people reaching out. The A lot of what, I, what I've done is reaching out, uh, apply to residencies, grants, and what's the other? And then when I was trying to get my book published and I got a lot of rejections from it, like a lot. Um, I've gotten a, a lot, a lot of rejections from um, residencies, grants, and just publication stuff. I don't know what the ratio is, but I will say that probably out of like, say like 20 things that I apply to, I get like two or something. Um, and it just gives you more information. I think that you're just like not taking not taking it so personal, not taking it as like, this is this me, whatever that means to about your work, but just mm-hmm. rather that, you know, there's a lot of a random elements that impact whether or not you get something, you know? Yeah. But I, I'm not sure what the ratio will be, but I don't get a lot of things. Who are some other women writers we should be reading right now? I was thinking of, of so Miriam Toads is a um, Canadian writer and I finished Probably, maybe when did I read this? Last year, I read A Complicated Kindness, um, and I've read one of her other books, and she's just the master of the eerie, funny, dark humor stuff. Um, And so I really, really like her. The other person is Rita Indiana. She's Dominican. She writes in Spanish. I think that there's some of her stuff is translated. I'm not sure. Um, She has a book called Papi, which is beautiful. Rita is also... she writes merengue, so she's a singer. And so her books have a lot of rhythm um, and really loud voice. So I am attracted to people that just have a really um, vivid voice and can develop. Like, I mean, I feel like sometimes I don't even care what they're talking about as long as like I'm being pulled in by the language. And they both mm. do that. And where can listeners find you online? I am everywhere. I have, <laughs> I am literally everywhere. And now with this, I am, I'm there. Um, I think Instagram is probably the place where I'm in terms of social media where I engage the most. Um, so that's uh, Juliana, J-U-L-I-A-N-A-D. And then my last name, L-O-P-E-R-A. So Juliana D. Lopera. Um, that's my Instagram and my Twitter. And then I have a website, um, which is again, my name, com. so it's the same but dot com um and I there you can find like what I'm doing and where to get my books and if you want to contact me um or book me for something you can you can do it through there Huli would you read some of your work for us now sure so I'm going to be reading from uh Fiore Tropical I'm going to read a very um a little short excerpt from chapter 13, which is the grandmother's chapter. If you've read the book before, and if you're not, then you're in for a ride. 
Okay. And it's page 206 if you have the book. When Alba was 12 years old, women pulled at her hair for two weeks straight. Sister Jamira, her mother, and two vecinas with their own hair wrapped in plastic bags hunched over Alba's head in the kitchen. Puro piojo. The women were summoned to their lice-killing duty, and in they came remangándose las mangas with vinegar, scissors, file nails ready to crush, and, you guessed it, big vaporú. Cundía estaba la nena. When she stood still, Alba could see brown spots jumping off her head, kamikazes diving into her notebook, dancing on her scalp, stealing all her blood. Let them steal my blood, she said. Pero niña, Alba was all darks before darks was even a thing. She channeled all that Catholic fervor into her scalp and told the women the insects needed her blood to survive. Let them live inside me. No kidding, Pela. A girl's real goal was to piss off her mama because she caught her mama wearing no underwear when the milkman knocked on the door, caught her bent over reaching for bottles of milk and smoking one underneath the mango tree. But mama was not having it. They chased her around the house. Alba, por favor, how old are you? Quarantined. Every piece of cloth washed with boiling water, her sister's hair braided at all times, which of course didn't help her already outload status amidst the sisterhood. But did she care? Papi received a passive-aggressive letter from school, suggesting the expulsion of Alba for being unwashed and to some extent dirty and to some extent disgusting and to some extent a threat to school hygiene. And that was that. For three days straight, the women tried smashing, boiling, slapping the lights, but the little fuckers had set up an entire city with moles and shit in there, the underground third world for lice. Until one day, after praying to God for guidance, Sister Jamira chopped off all of Alba's hair. If a por eso that Alba got a boy's haircut. If a por eso that she got to play Joseph, Jesus, and all the men in the school plays. If a por eso that when Joseph and Mary fall in love, they kiss, it's somewhere in the Bible. If a por eso that Maria Magdalena threw herself on top of her when she played Jesus. If a por eso that she was darks before you were darks and the girls call her la niña niño. If a por eso that sometimes to evade the stares, the pointing, giggling, grabbing of her breasts, she wore her father's shirt and buy holy water and sit by the park with her radio. If a por eso that papi confused her with the vecina's son one day and told her she'd actually look pretty good as a man, too bad she was a señorita. Thank you for sharing your writing and wisdom with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Now it's time for our writing prompt. I suggest setting a timer for six or eight minutes, putting Huli's writing prompt at the top of your page, and free writing whatever comes to mind. Remember, the important part is keeping your pen moving. You can always edit later. Right now, we just want to write something new and see what happens. All right, so I have to be honest that I'm stealing this prompt from Linda Berry because I love her so much. So the prompt is you're going to write a list of 10 cars that have appeared in your life. So just write a list. It could be mom's car when I was five. It can be the neighbor's car. It can be the car you took to go to school when you were a kid. It can be the car you own now. After you make a list, you're going to pick number seven. And then you're going to write the story of that car. And what I want you to do is write what you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you taste, and what you feel. So use all of your senses as you're writing. Juli Delgado Lopera's book, Fiebre Tropical, is out now. I really enjoyed hearing Juli read her work today. 
there's a special quality to hearing writing in the author's own voice. Didn't that residency at Headland Center for the Arts sound so dreamy? I was imagining Huli running to the ocean every morning and immersing in nature so they could write, and then someone preparing all the food. Oh, the dream of the writer's residency. As a single mom, going away for a few weeks to write has always seemed like an impossible faraway dream, but I wonder what kind of DIY residency I could create for myself until something like that seems more possible. Have you ever made your own DIY writing retreat or residency? I'd love to hear about it. You can slide into my DMs on Instagram or send a message through my website. If the show's been helpful in your writing practice, please consider becoming a monthly supporter on my website. With a recurring monthly contribution of as little as $2, you can help me ensure that these interviews continue to happen. I'm Sarah Gallagher, and this is Fierce Woman Writing. I'll be back next Thursday with another episode. Until then, keep writing. Become a supporting member of the podcast with a monthly contribution at FierceWomenWriting.com. Get more writing prompts and engage with other writers on our Instagram page at FierceWomenWriting. Remember, women is spelled with an X. You can also help us reach more writers by sharing this episode with a friend and subscribing, downloading, and reviewing the podcast. Thank you for listening.